Hey, Giant fans, welcome to the Giant Insider Podcast. My name is Jerry Foley. I am the senior editor of the Giant Insider newspaper. And with me, as always, is the beat writer of the Heart of Giants Nation, Chris Bizignano. Chris, as you know, I had the pleasure of interviewing Phil McConkie. Uh, actually, last week recorded it, so that's going to be, uh, we're going to add that to this podcast. Should be a good one. Uh, but a lot of Giants news, buddy. Uh, first off, Nate Solder is opting out of this year, and I think you put it best when you said, not a surprise. Yeah, obviously that was the one guy everybody was keeping an eye on. And look, uh, you know, everything he's going through with his family uh, personally, and then, of course, with his son. Yeah. Uh, There's no surprise. Uh, it's probably a smart move, no question about it. Um, so he, uh, it, it, it's funny, like he came in, like everybody reported Tuesday, you know? Yeah. Uh, Jerry, and I reached out to somebody um, with the Giants and asked, hey, did Solder report? Right. You know? Right. And the person got back to me and said, well, we don't have anybody not reporting. So I guess so. Uh, nothing I know of. And then about a half hour later, yeah. uh, two hours later, he must have came in told the coach or whatever it was or put a sta- I think he put a statement I'm not even sure he even entered the building but look um it didn't you know that's that's why I asked about him because I figured he would you yeah, know right and he did and like, like a lot of other guys in the NFL um they're not going to take the chance they have some kind of you know medical condition um and they're not going to take the chance so you see what's happening in baseball mm-hmm. okay uh, it's spreading through one team. The yep. Phillies had to cancel now because a couple of their people in their staff got it. Um, the Marlins aren't playing to next week. The Phillies aren't playing next week. Dude, I, heard, yeah. I heard real quick, not to be, I heard the Marlins yeah. got it at a strip club. Uh, I don't know, you know, so, you know, <laughs> Sorry. that's something that these players, you know, they they can't be doing this stuff, yeah. you know, while the season's going on or, right. or period, really. I mean, it's just very dangerous. Yeah. So, Baseball is becoming a clown show, to be honest with you. Every other day's team. I mean, Jerry, you know, teams are shutting it down. Who's what plays aren't playing? Yeah, and they continue to go on with it, whatever. So now football, has, you know, they, like Joe Judge was on today with us, and they're stressing to the players, Jerry. You, you cannot put yourself in these situations, you know? Do, do, you, do you think that, and I, I want to go back to Solder in a bit and the, the implications yeah. it has on the team, but do you think that the NFL will eventually adopt the bubble theory that, the NBA and the NHL have. And I'm only asking because it seems like it's working. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's different, you know, yeah. but I guess, like, what, bu- you mean, as far as, like, say the Giants are not allowed to leave anymore? Yeah, like keeping them all back together. To the hotel, yeah, back right. to the field, back to the hotel, but they yeah. still got to travel, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just different because it's, you know, 53, you got to travel to another stadium, you know? The basketball is playing on what? Four different courts and everybody's in the same area, right? Yeah, I didn't know if, you know, I don't if see the it. NFL can pull that off. I don't know. I don't think logistically they could, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, they discussed, you know, obviously they discussed it and they were like, no, we, they really can't, you know? Right. right. So players are going to have to be responsible. Uh, you know, a lot of guys have been tested positive in camps around right. the league. Right. And then they're going to have to quarantine. And then everybody who's not positive, which most players aren't, mm. they're going to have to go back. Back to the hotel. Guys all going back to their homes. Homes too, man. Yeah. In this training camp. So uh, we'll see what happens, man. Look, the mask, the hands, wash your hands. Obviously not, you know, being uh, being involved in um, a large party or, you know, stuff like that, Jerry. It's just tough because, you know, there is, you're talking about a lot of single young guys too. Yeah, right, right. 
You know, it's not everybody in the NFL has a family with three kids saying, okay, I'm going to go home with my family and then I'll yeah. go to work next day. This is yeah, easy. This is easy for people like you and me. <laughs> you know, like, well, what else you am know, I going to do? Of, yeah, right. I mean, there's a lot of young guys that are 24, 25 <laughs> with a little money and, you know, you know how it is, man. They don't yeah. want to go out. A lot of testosterone. For six months, you know, right. so. But they have to. And Judge talked about that today. That they're stressing it to these guys. They have to. You know? yeah. And as far as going back to Solda, it was the right decision. Family yeah. comes first. Yeah. God bless him. We put it on Twitter. Wish him well. Um, his contract kicks over the next year now. He's got two more years left. And um, hopefully his family stays safe. But he's, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a high-risk dude. Yeah. So the, the implications of Solder as far as lineup goes right now, you, obviously Thomas will go to left tackle. And you said it. Now, how important is that signing of, of Fleming, right? Cam Fleming. Yeah. Or does Nick Gates slide there? It's going to be an interesting battle. Pair, I guess, will get a shot, right? I mean, he'll, he'll yeah, get a sure. look. Um, but the Giants do have options. I'm going to ask you a serious question, and it's not intended to be a joke at all. Will the Giants miss Nate Solder from a from a on-the-field perspective this sure year? they are. Uh, of yeah. course they are. Because some people you know? think he's, you know, they look at him like he's Eric Flowers, and that's totally unfair. That's why I'm asking. I mean, look, look, he's coming off a bad year. We know that. Right. But they're going to miss his experience. They're going to miss teaching the Andrew Thomases, the Matt Perts, yeah. you know? Yeah. Even the Nick Gates, yeah. you know, guys like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know a lot of people's reaction right away is, like, who cares? He's a swinging gate anyway. Yeah, you know, that's, come on. You know, so they're going to miss him big time. You know, he was going to be out there left tackle at the beginning of the year. I don't think there was any question about that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, listen, don't miss him on the field. I, I, I've i mentioned numerous times, Jerry, that I thought he would have a, somewhat of a bounce back year. Yeah, especially with Judge coming team. over too, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, but that, you know, we're not, we're not going to see now. And now you're throwing a rookie, you know, out there at left tackle, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Daniel Jones right now, if you ask Daniel Jones right now, right, Jerry? Of mm. course, he'll never answer this. But if you ask him, hey, would you, who would you rather have a left tackle right now, Solo or the kid Thomas, who, by the way, will not see or will not compete against another team, another team's jersey until September 14th, right? Yep. Jerry, yeah. think about it. Yeah. No preseason. Yeah. So he's going to go against inner squad games and all that against the Giants, but... It's still not the same as facing, you know, going and playing against another team in preseason games. So his first live snap against another team will be against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And if you ask Daniel Jones, Dan, you know, who you feel better about right now, protecting your blind side, will it be Solar? Is it Solar or Thomas? You know, he'll never give that answer, but you know he would be like Solar. I would imagine he's going to say Solar. I was going to say, I I like to put money down on either a roll right on the first play of the game or a run right um, away. So look, I have confidence in, in Thomas down the road, but to throw a yeah. rookie out there, uh, yeah. that's going to be, um, it, it's going to be something. It's going to be quite a test for the kid. Yeah. He's still a rookie, Jerry. Yeah. And he's been, look, he's had no off season program. Nope. Right. Mm. He's going to go into camp. He's going to play no preseason games. <laughs> right. Okay. Now there's really no veteran. That's going to guide him here on this offensive line as a tackle. I mean, Cam Fleming does have you know, experience, but this is a new system for him too. Yeah. Well, I, although he's familiar with Jason Garrett and all that, don't get me wrong. Mm. But it is a new team, and you know, and he's going to have to. He's like the, he's he's going to have to be like the the voice to lean on, Cam Fleming. You know. Yeah. You know, th- this looks better for Spencer Pulley and Cam Fleming as far as starting goes, like just veterans, right? 
Yeah. Um, you'd have to think they have the inside track at center and right tackle. I could be talking on my butt right now. I mean, maybe they go a different direction, but I agree with you. I'd have to think it would be Fleming and um, and even Pulley in the middle. But now, now look, Jerry. Learning from New England, hmm. where Judge is from. Just because Andrew Thomas is playing left tackle for you know a couple of quarters doesn't mean he's going to play left tackle the whole game. Right, that's a good point. He'll shoot over the right tackle for a yes. series. Yep. And Fleming will play left tackle. I mean, that's what they did in New England. That's what they do in New England, I should say. Yeah. Okay. I've seen him got they've done that numerous times. So and Joe Judge talked about that today. Cross training, as he likes to put it. Where guys better know every position. If a guy's playing left tackle one series, he better know right tackle. Right. If he could see you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I get it. Yep. You, see, you know, he's a guy. He said, "Oh, I'm playing left. I, I'm playing left tackle, so I'm the left tackle for this team uh, for for 60 minutes for 16 games." No, that's not true on the Joe Judge. Yeah, he's a, he said it numerous times. You know, you have to know, you have to be versatile. You know, if you're playing left guard, you might play right guard two series. You know, in the third quarter. You understand what I'm saying, Jerry? Yep. So it's uh, you know, Thomas is you know, we expect Thomas to get a look at left tackle. Uh, Gates is going to be out there now. Fleming is going to obviously be huge, right? Yeah. And then the kid, Pert, is going to have to, you know, he's, they're going to start working him in, no doubt about it. They kind of looked at him like, okay, let's work this kid this year. We'll look for 2021. Well, guess what? Yeah. 2021 is now 2020 for Matt Pert. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, there are salary cap implications now. Uh, we The Giants free up about $16 million, I believe, and then they're on yeah. the hook for it next year. So everything's just kind of delayed a year, I think. As far as I understand, with that 16 million, I'll ask you: You think the Giants are active, or do you think they just say, you know, we'll we'll hang on to this? Uh, I, I don't think they're going to do anything, Jerry. Yeah. Maybe a, maybe a guy here, maybe a guy here and there, but if maybe you're thinking like Zadavian Clownies, or <laughs> how'd you know? <laughs> well, I figured everybody as soon as that was freed up, everybody was like, yo, hey, yeah. what about Clowny now? Yeah, what about <laughs> right. Clowny? Um, right. Listen. If he cut a one year seven million, yeah, I guess it's possible now, right? Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, Judge was asked about that today, and he just said, "Listen, we're not going to burn money through our pockets here because we have a little money, right. you know, and we're going to do what's right for the organization, you know." So I don't know what to take from that, you know, but I don't get any feeling, any hint from the organization at that. Okay, we got this money, let's go out there and burn it, you know? Right. I really don't. No, I could be wrong, Jerry. Uh, they could go out and sign a uh, – who else is out there? Everson, uh, Everson Griffin, right? Yeah. Uh, they could go out and do something like that. But uh, I don't get that feeling that's what they're looking. I really don't. Interesting. You? Um, no, I, I don't think they'll do anything. I think they'll I think they'll yeah. sit back and wait to see who gets cut, and then they'll make a move. We, you know, we all saw Graham Gano get cut, and if Giant fans can forgive him for breaking their hearts two years ago, I, I think they'll be – will be a welcome signing, right? Especially after everything that happened with Roses, which is kind of the next point. Aldrich Roses getting launched, bud. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he, he got the axe. Um, they went, like Judge said today, they went into they went another direction with him. Uh, they thought about it. They, you know, they assessed it. And they've decided to go into another direction. Uh, that's it. Now, Rosas is coming off a mediocre when, year. Sorry, when you said that, it reminded me of Goodfellas. That's it. There's nothing we can do about it. <laughs> well, that's it. And they thought about it, and they said, uh, "There's nothing we could do." You know, yeah, so they right. got him yeah. out. 
Um, you know, they brought in Canizero. They're going to bring in competition. Graham Gano, if he's healthy, could be a guy you go look at. There's some veterans out there. I fully expect, you know, Canizero's not going to be the only kicker in camp. We know that, right? He's coming off a year where he quit, basically, on the Jets. What was the <laughs> – you, you know, know I'll, I'll ask – you know, sound New York, I looked at these questions before he asked. I'll ask you because you're on the subject. What's the point of bringing him in, a guy who quit? Any idea? Uh, because he's got a fresh leg, Jerry. Okay, uh, you know, he, that's it. Yeah. yeah, you know he's got a leg. Uh, he's a guy that you know he, he didn't like the way he was kicking last year against the Giants. It happened to be against the Giants too. He missed three, extra, two extra points, I believe, and yeah. decided like three days later that he was done. Yeah. So he's a guy with listen. He, he's he has a resume in this league, and obviously he put it out. His agent put it out there. Hey, listen, my guy wants back in. This guy's healthy. The leg is fresh. Yeah. Giants saw that. I said, get him in here, right? So that doesn't mean he's going to be the kicker for the Giants. Yeah. But right now he's in, he's going to be in camp, and you expect somebody else in there so too, Jerry. It's going to be a competition. It's going to be competition everywhere. Yeah. I don't. Some people were like, "Well, why just him?" And, uh, you know, there's going to be other people in here. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, DeAndre Baker, what's up with him? Yeah, uh, the league put him on the exempt list. You know, uh, pending his legal issues. So. Yeah. <clears throat> now. When you're on the exempt list, Jerry, you could still <clears throat> look at film with the team and all that, right? Right. Um, I thought, I mean, I could be looking at this the wrong way, mm-hmm. but I thought it was kind of interesting the Giants told him, you know what? We don't even want you around here, period. Yeah. Uh, Speaks volumes. And I've seen guys on exempt. Uh, I, I, Jerry, that's the way I feel. I mean, I could be dead wrong on this. No, I, I agree with you because I, I think he's played his last game. Uh, I, you know... I've seen other players go on exempt list over the years, and yep. they were still allowed to, you know, work in the facility. Yeah, and all that. The Giants told Baker, "Nah, we don't even want you near here until these legal issues are over." Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the only reason why he probably didn't get launched like Rosas is why Jerry, the kid's a number one pick, right? Right. right. <laughs> His second year, and you're not going to just launch him because if something turns around tomorrow. And, they, and, you know, and the district attorney's office down in Florida says, you know what? This was all bull. You know what? He's clear. You're good to go. But, you know, he's a number one pick. What happens with number one picks? They get a little more rope, a little yeah. more leeway. Right, Jerry? Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. I, I agree with you. But if, if there was an if Gettleman came in this year and someone else drafted DeAndre Baker. Well, he'd be gone. He'd be exa- gone. Okay, good. Oh, right. uh, Jerry, there'll be no question he'd be gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's Gettleman. And don't forget, it's Gettleman's number one pick, as you just said. Yep. And they moved up. They moved up. Not you know, not much. They didn't give up much, but they moved up to grab him. Right? Remember how remember how happy we were when they did that? Yeah, I mean he was being aggressive. They, you know, you know, a lot of people had him as the best corner coming out. Um, I think it's funny. We hated we hated the Jones and Dexter Lawrence picks, and we loved the Baker pick. Oh well. Right. <laughs> Turns out we're loving the Lawrence and uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And now uh, we wish that the Baker thing never happened. So yeah. Uh, to me, that speaks, like you said a few minutes ago, Jerry, it, um, it speaks volumes. Yeah. That I they kind of told Big, uh, who came, you know, who arrived from Florida on Sunday. Yeah. Um, getting ready for camp. And they told him, you know what? Stay away. <laughs> yeah. You know? Wow. So that's, to me, that's not a good sign. Um, his legal issues is not going away, Jerry, right? right. If it was going to go away, folks... It probably would have went away a while ago. And it's important to note, you've been consistent with that all along. Uh, you know, you, you've mentioned that and a lot of different 
media outlets and people said, don't jump to conclusions. This is, you know, he could be, he's going to be innocent. And mm-hmm. uh, you said this is going to last a while. So kudos to you, Chris. Well, well, all, yeah, all I was saying is that it could just don't, just because his lawyer, right. first of all, right. his lawyer, Patrick Patel is an NFL lawyer representing him. Right. He should shut his mouth. Yeah. He's not stepping foot in a criminal court. All right. His other lawyer is Cohen. I believe his name, if I remember right, it's Cohen. Okay. Uh, the, all the point, the point I was making, Jerry, is that just because his lawyer comes out and says, "Oh, this is bull. This is bull. This will be over in three days. Oh, that's a, he's been extorted." I, you know, don't listen. That's just lawyer crap. You know, um, yeah. until it actually happens, like I said, until it actually happens back then, and I'll say it again now, until it actually happens, there's a legal case going on, man, and it doesn't, it doesn't seem to be leaving right jerry it's been a while a couple months and just the giants it makes you wonder if somebody's telling the giants hey you know your boy's gonna have a problem here you know what i mean yeah jerry yeah and they were like get him away from the building why why we even have him in his building when we know this ain't happening this year that's the impression i got that's um that's yeah it's the whole thing's a shame because he he started to show the talent uh, that was so en- enticing for the Giants towards the end of last year. Um, it would have been great to see him work with a guy like Joe Judge, who seems to have a very strong attention to detail. Uh, it, it's just, um, it is what it is. The, the Giants are very deep at corner from a potential talent standpoint. They have a lot of names, but um would have been good to see Baker come back and have this figured out. Uh, real quick, the Zoom meeting with Joe Judge, anything of interest said or, or just what? Um, just basically the instructions to the players, yeah. put themselves in good positions. Um, no excuses. You know, yeah. um, they're getting to know each other, but, you know, Judge says it, you know, said again, until they get out there and start, you know, start seeing these guys under pressure, then I'll really know what they're made of. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, some other stuff, just basic listen he knows how difficult it is uh it's a very unique obviously season for everybody not just judge but judge is a new head coach so it's double whammy for him yeah um, um talked about jerry a lot of some inner squad games to try to evaluate these guys oh nice yeah especially that on the drafted free agents they're gonna have a few of those because i think it's 14 paid practices you're allowed after august 17th to, until september 6th you know yeah. um so they gotta get a lot of work in jerry uh, they're just basically just getting loose and acclimated and all that until like August 17th, man, you know? Yeah. And then they'll start practicing, you know, uh, football practice, you know, and they'll have that up until September 6th and then they'll start going to game plan week and all that. So um, one guy asked an interesting question a lot of people are curious about, about do you think they'll quarantine Daniel Jones? Because hmm. why? Because he's such an important position, you know, quarterback. You don't. Nobody wants to lose their quarterback, you know. And and Judge was like, "Well, we're going to be careful with everybody, you know. So there's hmm. no plan just to say, okay, you know, there's 53 on the roster, or was it 55 this year? Whatever, 53 or 55? Forget now for this year. Uh, well, I 54. 50, I think it's 55, but I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, on game day it's 55 now, right? Yeah. So. All right, so 54, you know, you guys, uh, you know, just take care of yourself. But, hey, Daniel, you're coming with us. Four guys are going to guard you. Go in the hotel room and don't move, you know? If I'm Saquon, I'm like, wait, wait, who's like, why aren't you guarding me, right? I mean, it just lends itself to guys, other guys wanting that protection. I would imagine. I'd feel that way. <laughs> so, <No. laughs> um, yeah, so he basically said, no, we're not going to do any special quarantine for any guys, you yeah. know? Oh. 
and uh, that's that's where they're at, man. Um, Other than that, Judge was you know pretty basic. What he you know like he like he is. So um, you know they're just getting to know each other, Jerry. Yep. You know he, he said today he's gonna have his first meeting when they cut it down to eighty. Uh, but by by August sixteenth they have to be at eighty. You know. Yeah. Wow. And then he's gonna, I guess you know they're using the stadium. The Giants are using MetLife Stadium for this training camp, man. Nice. The locker rooms all over. They're using the the, the, the lounge suites, everything. You know, they're using the, 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 the they're lucky enough to have all the space, so they're spacing all these guys out. You yeah. Know? Yep. Um. So I'll have the first meeting with the team where he's actually in front of the team. Obviously, everybody's spaced out and all that. You know, and he's talking to them. Uh, of course, after the eighty, they start practicing. You know, more like football practices. They'll start hitting a little bit. You right, know, right? Like I just said, Jerry, in the squad games, and he's gonna have to evaluate like that, man. It's listen, it stinks, Jerry. It stinks because these coaches want to see you against another another team, dude. Yeah. You know. Yep. They want to see you against another team. Yeah, it's gotta be frustrating. Uh, it's gotta be frustrating for the coaches, man. Yeah. You know. You know. Um. Because a guy like Dalvin Thomason. Four years in the league now. Yeah. Yeah, everybody, look, nobody's safe. I understand that because it's a new coach and all that, but he's not going to have game intensity in a squad squad game. Yeah. Dabble Thompson's going nowhere. You understand what I'm saying, Jerry? Yeah, right. Like, he's not going to have that Pittsburgh Steeler intensity against a Shane Lemieux. <laughs> right, 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 right. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, that's at? a good point. Yep. So the point I'm making is, like, a kid like Shane Lemieux, right, is not going to see a game time or a live action intensity like you would in the preseason against some other kid on, say, argument's sake, the Jets, right? They play the Jets in preseason. Some other kid on the Jets who's trying to make a squad. You know what I mean? It's a really good point. And, and to, to what you said before, Andrew Thomas. Now, right? He's not going to see it either. You know, these guys, these guys who are going to be an integral part uh, of, of the starters, um, they're not going to, he's not going to see it. So guys like, you know, Jerry, the undrafted free agents, the fifth, sixth, seventh round picks and yeah, all that, yeah. fighting to make a roster, dude. Yep. Just because you're a fifth round pick doesn't, make you, doesn't mean you're making a, a roster. Yeah. I mean, Andrew Thomas is making the roster. Right. Shane Lemieux, if he looks like, uh, you know, if he looks like, uh, uh, you know, like he's, you know, and he can't block anybody, he's gone. Yeah. Doesn't matter if he's a fifth round pick. Yeah. What, uh, what, no middle round pick get cut? What, are you yep. kidding me? Right, you know? right, right. So it's uh it, it's gonna be very unique and, and listen, it's like a college training camp, right? Judge said that today. This is like a college training camp, getting yeah. ready for the first game. You yep. know, yeah. Uh, he's from college. Coaches are, you know, a whole lot of coaches, and and they're gonna have to make it work, Jerry. But you know what's interesting to me? Not that I don't want to keep rambling on here, but no, go ahead. I could see, I could see some guys getting released from teams this year, Jerry. Mm-hmm. And then going on to another team and being very, very good players, because you know what? They just didn't show enough in one camp, and they, they you know, and I don't oh, know yeah. about this guy. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, good and then point. It, you know, some kids, man, the, the light goes on, man, when it's when the game starts. Yeah. <laughs> I can see a lot of talent. You know, really, no fault of the league, man. Oh, you're gonna have to be, you're gonna have to be so careful this year, right? I mean, it's yeah, man. That's such an I'm interesting, saying. weird year. So yeah, I, I could just see some real talent jerry slipping through or getting released you know yeah because uh you know so we'll see man all right folks you're listening to the giant insider podcast with chris bizignano and jerry foley available on a all a whole host of platforms including iHeartRadio, itunes stitcher spotify and google play and coming up right now is my interview with phil mcconkey super bowl champion baby
Hope you guys enjoy it. All right, Giant fans, I'd like to welcome you to our interview with Phil McConkey, Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl hero, I should say, Super Bowl 21. Uh, Phil, thank you so much for joining us here. I really appreciate it. Jerry, it's good to be with you. Just hope we have some real football. <laughs> yeah, man, word just came down that uh, no fans this year in New Jersey. So that literally just happened like an hour ago. Yeah, I saw that. Not not a surprise there. Um, but if we can get the games in, some games, uh, I think uh, we'll all be happy. Yeah, absolutely. So, a former player, like what? I mean, how closely do you follow this? Are you you watch every Sunday? Are you still a Giants fan? I'm a huge football. I've been a football fan since I was five years old. So, yeah. you know, fifty something years. Uh, um, uh, my involvement with the game, I absolutely love it, and of course, I follow it, and I follow the Giants. Uh, um, you know, pretty closely. Yeah. Um, so just wanted to start off, I guess, you know, early in your career, your, your college career first and how you went to the NFL. I know you had a relationship with um, Bill Belichick's father, I believe. I, I was wondering if you can get into that a little bit. Yeah, at the Naval Academy, uh, Steve Belichick, Bill's father, was an assistant coach. And actually, he's given credit as the father of modern day scouting. He was breaking down film and doing opposition research before anyone else had done it and had ample opportunity to leave the Naval Academy to go to bigger, big schools or to the NFL. Um, but he was happy there, and that's where he stayed. So not only was he an assistant coach, he was a scout. Uh, he led our stretching routine, a routine I learned when I was 18 years old when I first get there, got right. there, and I do it pretty much every day of my life. I'm 63, and I'm, I'm still doing it. So uh, Steve Belichick uh, was a key for me when I was getting out of the Navy or planning to get out of the Navy and giving the NFL a shot. So, um, yeah, without him, uh, it would have been more difficult. Uh, but he uh, went to – actually, before he went to Bill, he timed me on the AstroTurf uh, at, 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 at the Naval Academy. Right. And I ran a couple of four fours, and he says, I'll call Bill, meaning Belichick. And the timing was good because Belichick – that year, it was the summer of 83, and Belichick had just got elevated to defensive coordinator, and Bill Parcells just got elevated to head coach, so that was good timing. Yeah, you ran a 4-4. You got, yeah, that, was, that was the key, right, getting it to 4-4 to, to really kind of set yourself apart? Yeah. Yeah, he, he basically told me, you know, I'm not going to be able to call Bill unless you run under 4-6. So I ran under 4-5. So, uh, but, yeah, I was still 160 pounds right. at that going against me but uh you know i think parcells and belichick were you know they're they were changing the fortunes of the organization and looking for competitors so you signed as a rookie like i guess you know you join the team and you meet parcells how did your you seem like one of his guys right like you think that yeah he had the defensive players he had martin lt banks carson then you think offense sims was his guy Bavaro, you're one of his guys. Like, how did that relationship come about? Like, what was it like playing for him early on? Well, I think there there's an affinity uh, that Bill has, both Bills, for competitors. Right. Right. They all they they want guys that will show up at midnight on the Brooklyn Bridge <laughs> to play the Jersey City Destroyers if that's who the opposition was. Nice. Um, and those are the kind of athletes, players that they assembled. Right. And, you know, I think after that 80, I went to camp in 83 and I had a year left in the Navy. Um, and that was a pretty tumultuous year. 
especially for Parcells personally. Right. Not only did the team have a losing dismal record, but I think he lost uh, the running backs coach and his mother and father, I think, in the same off season. Yeah. And so he and the Giants were flirting with hiring Howard Schnellenberger, a college right. coach. That's right. Yep. To take his place. And Bill knew about that. And, you know, he's as competitive as anyone on the planet. And he became more so when those challenges were thrown in front of him, those obstacles, and he was going to do it his way. And that that's when a major change took place and the centralized focus of winning and, and, and getting competitors, um, you know, came about. And, right. You know, I think with all of them, the leadership of that team that started then, that goes not only from Parcells, but Belichick and Ron Earhart, all the assistants, but it permeated throughout the leadership of the team. Harry Carson, yeah. George Martin, yep. you know, Phil Sims, uh, you know, those kind of guys were uh, the epitome of, of, of great leaders. And what they did was so familiar to me coming out of the military. They made everybody on the team feel important. So for a lowly punt returner, the right. last guy on the roster, yeah. they all made me feel as important as Lawrence or as Phil Sims, the starting quarterback. Yeah. And it's hard for a lot of people to believe that. And when you make everyone on your team feel that they're important, as important as anyone, you get more out of people. Right. I was going to give everything I had, but because I didn't want to let them down, my coaches, my teammates, I got extra. I got more out of myself. You have more to give when you're doing it for the person next to you. So, you know, those are all things. Yeah, we had a lot of talent, and it was incredible guys that were skilled and can do things, but the secret to success, the secret to being a world champion is to have that cohesiveness as a team. And I truly believe that that those leaders making everybody feel important to get more out of them was paramount. Now, again, going back to the military, I was a helicopter pilot. Right. Yeah, I was a hotshot guy that sat up front that controlled the, you know, the helicopter and flew it. Well, if the, you know, petty officer second class that maintained or, you know, did the uh, lubrication system for that aircraft or the, you know, petty officer third class that tightened the bolts. Right. Right. On the rotors. They didn't do their job and they weren't made to feel important. Man, we crash, burn, and die, and the mission is over. You have no chance. That's a hell of an analogy. So, that's a that's a really good but, analogy. It's it, it's the same thing. Yeah. So 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 the guy that tightens up the, you know, we called it the Jesus nut, you know, on the helicopter. Right. It was important as the guy that flew it, and the guy that catches punts, if he fumbles away and screws up, and turns the ball over, it doesn't matter what your quarterback does right. or, or your star all world all time, everything Lawrence Taylor does. Right. So those guys recognized it, that leadership, those coaches, Harry, George, Sims, those kind of, even Lawrence, you know, Lawrence was, a, is a me, still is a mega star. Yeah. One of the greatest athletes of all time, character, charisma out there, you know what? Yeah. But Lawrence in the life, he wasn't LT in the locker room. That's the outside stuff. Right. Inside the locker room, he was Lawrence. Yeah. 
He didn't ask for special treatment. He didn't demand it. He wanted to be one of the guys, and that's how he was treated. And he treated everybody else the same with respect. And he was a great teammate. And a lot of people don't understand that. That's interesting. So it, it seems like Parcells would go at everyone pretty equally then. Uh, he didn't, he, there was no special treatment. And, you know, you hear in the, in the media sometimes that Lawrence got special treatment. It doesn't sound like that. It sounds like he treated you, no. Sims, everybody kind of the same. No, he didn't. I, I, I just, just to correct the record here. Okay. His, his genius of leadership was understanding what motivated certain people. Got it. It was not one size fit all. Right. He could jump on my ass and scream and yell at me, and, or Jim Burt, yeah. or even Sam, for that yeah. matter. Yeah. But that wasn't working with Mark Bavaro. Oh, okay. Nice. Mark might re- might Mark would have responded differently to that type of pressure. Mark responded to a pat on the back. Hey, kid, you're awesome. And you look good doing it. That's all he needed. Right. And he's going to run through brick walls for that guy. Right. Yep. For me, maybe it was the other way. Maybe I needed that kick in the ass. Right. Right. Maybe I needed to be verbally dressed down. I responded better to that, I think, than compliments. So, but Parcell's genius is that he recognized that in people, and and he did handle people differently. And listen, leadership is an individual thing. Yeah. What works for Parcells might not work for Bill Walsh right. or Bill Belichick or Vince Lombardi. They're all different. you got to have your way of doing things. Yeah. And, you know, that's the one thing I did learn about leadership. Um, you you got to be your own person. And if you take it and try to be something else or someone else, it's not going to work and you're not going to win. It's funny you brought up Lombardi because in his special, um, the, the, the one they did on the NFL Network, he treated, it was like Parcells. There were some guys he went harder at, there were other guys he laid off a bit, and he, he kind of, he, he knew what made each player tick. So it's interesting that you brought up Lombardi because it, it sounds like Parcells acted the same way when he, when he treated, uh, the, the, the way he treated the players. Yeah, so, yeah a- absolutely. And, and it, again, those, a lot of those guys are geniuses with incredible amounts of success. And, um, you know, sometimes they had varying uh, ways to get to people right. um, inside, outside and privately. So yeah, it was uh, an absolute uh, pleasure for me to be around such great people and a great organization up you know, to this day. I mean, yeah, I'm 63 years old, but it's still a team. Yeah. Uh, we all text each other still a lot and um, proud to be part of that group in a small way and part of that Giants organization. Awesome. So you're on the team from 83 to 85. You have a pretty good year in 85. You had like 400 yards or so receiving, pretty good on punt returns, 442 yards returned, good kickoff returner. And then you got cut in 86 and went to the Packers. Like, I guess this, discuss that experience, if you don't mind, like getting cut, were you surprised? And then when you went to the Packers, you actually, I think, discovered a, a future Giants coach there inadvertently. So if you could kind of jump into that, that'd be awesome. I can't say that I was ever surprised because my whole career, seven training camps, six full years. Yeah. I, I, I went to every practice as if it was my last one. Oh, awesome. I mean, I was on the verge. I mean, I was old and I was small. (laughs) So uh, I I, I was expendable. So um, I understood, you know, I'm one play away from practice. You know, some guys are season to season, career to career, season to season, game to game. 
man, I was practice to practice. Yeah. So that's an inordinate amount of pressure that I had on. Think about going to your job every day. If you don't do a good job, you're going to get fired right. at the end of the day. Think about that. So you get the most out of yourself and you respond to that pressure. And that's all I ever knew. Um, it wasn't comfortable, but I got comfortable being uncomfortable, if you can understand that. Sure. So uh, something I got used to. And um, yeah, I, I, I just kind of lived that throughout my whole career. And, um, you know, beginning of 86, uh, um, I felt I had the best training camp of my life. And But, you know, I'm pushing towards 30 and young guys coming in. And so, you know, it was, you know, devastating every time he got cut, but I got cut three times placed on military reserve too. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I went to green Bay. I was there for four weeks yeah. and, um, was shocked, uh, when Forrest Gregg, the hall of fame player and coach with the Packers called me into his office on a Monday morning. I thought he was going to cut me. And he says, I got good news for you. We traded you back to the Giants." So, yeah. Parcells got on the phone. He said, uh, hey, I need you back here right away, but I got to tell you, those Packers drive a hard bargain. I said, what do you mean, Bill? He goes, I had to throw in a couple of clipboards with that blocking dummy to get you back. So <laughs> it gave me an indication of my true worth on the on the trading uh, uh, circuit. So, yeah, I got back and after the fourth game in 86, and, um, you know, the rest was uh, pretty magical that year. So, in, in real quick, in Green Bay, your wide receivers coach was Coughlin, right? So Tom Coughlin was there, uh, and yeah. he was, you know, a taskmaster. You talk about leadership, man, that guy knew one way, especially then. Yeah. I think he matured, and he changed and altered his approach a little later on right. uh, when he was with the Giants. But back then, boy, I'm telling you, you know, you better strap that chin strap on and practice because you were not stopping running the whole day. Right. And that guy was as thorough and demanding as any coach, teacher, military officer I've ever been around. So, um, you know, I'll skip forward if you want to uh, uh, after the 87 season. Oh, no, let's, let's talk. I want, to, I want to get to 86, too, man. That was, I mean, that yeah. was your, you know, you come back. Yeah, so I'll, I'll just, yeah, yeah I, I get traded back yeah. um, in 86. So the first game back, I'll never forget it. Uh, well, first I... I, I come back, and uh, I guess Parcells told the team that morning. And when he called me, um, you know, he said, those Packers drive a hard bargain. <laughs> I said, uh, hey, coach, because, you know, back then there was very little player movement. Right. Uh, you know, there was no free agency. And yep. guys always thought it was better somewhere else. The grass mm-hmm. is greener kind of thing. Yeah. And so I made some comment, hey, Bill, the grass is greener my rear end because he always used that expression you know my rear end and i'm being polite here yeah right. so he says you need to put that on the blackboard when i when you come back so i did and it stayed up for the rest of the year but our first game back was on the road against saint uh the, the cardinals in st louis yeah and one of the reasons they brought me back was that kick return game was in shambles and lots of fumbles and you know one thing i can do is catch punts and kickoffs. so um you know, I had a big game, and I remember our offense really struggled that day. And, um, you know, I had a really big game, one of the best games I had returning punts. I don't know, returned seven of them, six or seven or whatever. Yeah. Um, put the offense in good field position. And after the game, you know, Raul had a great game, and so did Sean Landetta. And in the post-game press conference, you know, Parcells didn't say a lot of really nice things to me. But, right. you know, he did say after that game, you know, thank, thank God for our punter, kicker, and, and punt returner. So, um, you know, one of the few accolades I got from 
help, but uh, that's okay. Uh, he motivated me. So that kind of set the stage for the rest of the year, you know, uh, contributing as, as much as I could. Yeah. And, um, you know, you know, the rest. Yeah, that that's um, that's incredible because, like you said, he didn't he didn't give out compliments, especially publicly to the press uh, very often. Look, I was 11 years old, uh, just so we, we know this. <laughs> just so you know, 1986. I can't even remember. I, I, I remember a lot. Right. I, I can remember names, numbers, statistics. I couldn't tell you who was returning punts in your place for those games that you were gone. I have no idea. Yeah, I think it was a combination of, of Lionel Manuel. Okay. Um, oh, oh, Mar- oh, here's what happened. Mark Collins uh, was starting corner, and he yeah. had to go in, and he got a concussion in that game. What precipitated my return was Lionel Manuel got hurt okay. against Saints, fourth game of the year. Oh, yeah. He had a knee. Yep. He had a knee, and then Mark Collins returning a punt, took his helmet off because it got twisted around and suffered a concussion. Oh, wow. So – that's when Parcells uh, decided he needed to go go out and get me. So when you when you came back, when did the the towel waving start? Because look, man, th- there's a few visions Giant fans have of that uh, championship game in '86, the, the the conference championship. One of the most vivid is you running yeah. out of the tunnel and getting the crowd going. But that started before that. When and how yeah. did that start? You know, it's so funny. I'm telling these stories from I don't know decades ago. I can't remember what I had for breakfast, but I can vividly tell you, you know, the circumstances. I can tell you the game, the, the day, the time of day, the, the temperature, the way yeah. the, the, the grass, the blades on the grass were laid. Yeah. I mean, that's how specific, um, in a sense, memory you develop, uh, you know, when you go through something like that. But you know, as I said, the first game back, fifth game of the year was against the Cardinals. The next game was at home against the Eagles. And so, we'd stand at the edge of the tunnel before the, t- the introductions of the offense or defense and stand there Parcells. And I had so much pent up energy. I just couldn't wait to get out and sprint to the other end of the field. And I always did that. You know, I would just, Parcells would say go. And I just took off a hundred, you know, 50 yards, whatever it was, and just sprint just to get a lot of the cobwebs out, the nervous energy out. And so that game, um, I ran out of the tunnel and, you know, the fans kind of, I, I felt, yeah, I'm the only one down at the far end, and I felt people yelling my name and kind of welcoming me back. So the next game, you know, I kind of acknowledged them, you know, with a wave. And the game after that, I acknowledged them. I took the towel off my belt and waved it, just kind of acknowledging them, acknowledging me or welcoming right. me back. And it kind of developed yeah. through the year into the playoffs to where, I mean, they would go, they were at a fever pitch, and then people started bringing their towels. Yeah. So it just became a thing that Parcells recognized and, you know, being as astute as he was, you know, looking for every advantage. It got to the point where, you know, I did it for the championship game against the Red 49ers playoff championship game against the Redskins. And before we get into the Super Bowl, Parcells, I came in the locker room one day, Parcells had a diagram of the Rose Bowl and told me where we'd be coming out and, and, and the sections where our fans were and nice. said, get that – darn white towel out and make it seem like giant stadium. Nice. Yeah. I did. I, I, not that I needed any incentive, but the head coach telling you, telling you what to do. Uh, uh, that, that was a lot of fun. And by that point, you know, the network CBS had a camera on me and yep. coming out of the tunnel, running the length of the field, you know, popping off one of the pylons down at the far end of the field. Yeah. I mean, that, that's one of, the, yeah, one of the things that giant fans remember from that year is when the camera started panning you, uh, they, they, 
They did it for the Redskins game. They did it for the Super Bowl. And it's just one of the lasting memories of that season. But, you know, your play, though, like, I, look, there were a couple of plays that season that you came through big time for us. A lot of, lot of plays. But the, the Denver game um, where that got you in field position. But you also, people forget, you beat Daryl Green in the corner at RFK. I mean, I don't know how many receivers can honestly say that. Like, you beat one of the best corners at a crucial game that was going to decide the division and probably home field. Um, you know, you beat one of the best corners in that game. Yeah, that was, and, and by the way, one of the most incredible athletes and competitors yeah. I've ever witnessed, you know, on the field, off the field. And and he did it all because, you know, you want to hate your opposition, the competition. Right. <laughs> it just motivates you. It was really hard to hate that guy because he'd get off the ground and you could block him or whatever, and he'd have a smile on his face. Yeah, I mean, right. Just an absolute wonderful human being. One of my favorites of all time is Daryl Green. But yeah, I got lucky. It was a it was a corner route. I was coming in from the left side. I think I came in motion. Yeah. I leaned to the corner. I broke hard to the post. He bit, went to the corner, and most guys would still be running to the post. His recovery was so unbelievable that he closed <laughs> the gap in no time. Those just lucky Sims just you know, put it on a dime yeah. um, and put it in the perfect position because, you know, Green had recovered, you know, by then and really closed the gap. And it took a perfect pass to uh, get us to, you know, that was, uh, I think, beginning of the fourth quarter to clinch the 14th game of the year, which basically clinched the division. Yep. Yeah, that you had the big, like a 40-yard gain or so uh, in the Denver game that set up the game-winning field goal for Allegre. Um, and then, look, in, in, the, in the playoffs, you had a touchdown against the 49ers. The Redskin game with the with the wind, the championship game, was that the toughest game for you returning punts? That, yeah, that was really tough. So a lot of games at Giants Stadium were really tough yeah. on the road. That one really stood out. I think the gusts were up to 50 miles an hour that day. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but we had trained for it. I mean, those guys, I, I used to practice before, during, and after practice. Uh, catching punts in every type of condition and all types of weather. And, and uh, you know, Parcells would be next to me a lot. Belichick, who had been a special teams coach, Romeo Cornell, you know, they were always there. And, and they critiqued me to the nth degree. I, I could honestly say at one point in my life during that time, I was better than anybody on the face of the planet doing something. Nice. And I can honestly say that I can catch punts probably at that time better than anybody on the planet because I practiced – like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. And I had the scrutiny of those coaches and it was never good enough. Right. I could have six balls on my body, <laughs> go out, toss the two up that I had in my hand, catch the punt that Landetta punted and then catch the two I threw up. I catch it behind my back. You want it six want me to catch it six inches off the ground or nine inches off the ground. <laughs> you know, I right. turn my back to it, punt the ball, tell me when to turn, I'll go find it and catch it. Yeah. So, you know, that's something that, because again, it all goes back to the leadership. I didn't want to be the guy that let my teammates down. Um, I wasn't perfect. I was almost perfect, but, um, you know, they demanded it. And, you know, after that game, again, um, Parcells, you know, mentioned, uh, you know, the three of us, the kicker, the punter and the punt returner, um, you know, helped win the game because Parcells calculated that, no, and this is a statistic that's not kept, but right. Parcells and his staff, they got it. If you let the ball hit the ground on a punt, 
Yeah. The average length it goes is 15 yards against you. So if you catch mm. a punt and you get zero yards, you're really saving your team 15 yards. Okay. And so that was critical for those guys. So I had it. I was trained to catch everything. They demanded it. I could be on a dead run, catch the ball. I'm out of bounds, but I saved the bounds. And so that was so critical. Parcells calculated that by me. Listen, on the six or seven that I caught, I don't know if I gained 20 yards combined, but I caught them sliding and I caught them, you know, didn't let them hit the ground. And he calculated that it was over a hundred yards of field position. Now that's a statistic that, no one keeps, no one cares about, but Bill Parcells, he understood it. He knew how important it was, and so did my teammates. And that's why they made me feel important, and that's why I didn't want to let them down. And that's why I caught the ball, and, you know, the Redskins returner didn't catch as many, and it was worth a lot of field position in the 17 nothing game and in hurricane-like conditions that was critical. Yeah, I mean, everyone remembers Landetta and his kicking performance, which was absolutely incredible. But I was going to say before you said it, there were a couple times in that game where you were sli- you came sliding in to catch it. So um, that's interesting that 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 statistic is there that uh, that Parcel studied that that it, it jumps 15 yards against you. So kind of explains why you came sliding in, especially on the side. Sometimes I remember vividly watching that game that, that you you did that a, a few on a few occasions. Um, so you go to the Super Bowl, and we we talked about the introduction. Obviously, you had the the play of the the flea flicker where you got down to the one yard line. You had the touchdown. We can we can cover both of those. But there was I I just wanted to point out a play early in the game. One of Sims incompletions. Uh, you had your guy uh, beat. Uh, what what uh, happened on that play, please? Can you tell everybody, please? So, so, so real competitors yeah. hate to lose a lot more than they like to win. Right. It's the ones that get away that eat at you so everybody remembers my you know touchdown the flea flicker the punt return i think about the play you're describing a lot more than all those other ones combined it's the one that got away the losses hurt the emotion of losing is more intense than the joy of winning if you do something right you win it's just kind of a relief that you didn't fail so the touchdown was great i was elated but it was more you know i didn't fail Right. And, and and so early in the game, I'll tell you exactly, it was the second play of the second quarter. We're third in third in six, third and five maybe, on on uh on our forty. Third and five from our forty, second play of the second quarter. Third down and five, third and four, and I come and and, and normally we went contra that game. We were a running team. We ran on first down. This game, we're throwing on first down. Yeah. We were very conservative. This game, we're throwing flea flickers and faking punts. Right. Right? Especially the throwing on first down kind of caught them. Yeah. So we, we were out of character doing, doing things. Parcells just let it hang out. He just, you know, we're going to take our best shot. I mean, it was totally different than the game plan the first time we played Denver at our place that took a, that long pass and field yeah. goal to win at the end. Yeah. He went totally different. So catching them uh, off guard. So normally third and three, four, whatever, you know, we're all running six yard hitches, pick up the first down, keep the drive alive. Well, this game in a situation like that, they put in a play to where I came in motion from right to left. And I was going to run a post pattern. 
instead of sitting down and squatting at six yards to pick up the first down because we right. didn't have far to go. So play comes in, and I come in motion, turn up field on the snap, right about six yards where, you know, I would be kind of stopping to curl to look for the ball, right. you know, to convert the first yep. down. I yep. stutter-stepped the DB. He got me man-to-man. The safety clears out. The guy squats on me. He thinks I'm going to run a hitch. You know, he studied. That's who we are. Those are our tendencies. He came up on me. Well, when I broke to continue the pattern to go to the post, he was so beaten, so faked out. All he could do was dive and lunge at me and throw his legs at my legs. So his foreleg caught my foreleg as I was, when I tell you for a split second, it was the second, it was the parting of the Red Sea as I was going to the post, which had been vacated, and it was so wide open. But he stuck out his leg, and I stumbled and fell. And the referee never saw it, never yeah. called it, and I was I was ballistic. I'm, I'm pointing at the guy. I'm giving the number to the, you know, the back judge who didn't call it, and I was livid. They didn't show a replay, but Madden talking about it said yeah. I called the guy's number out, and that would have been a 60-yard touchdown, and I'm still <laughs> – livid about that play do you remember who the db was was it mark haynes no it wouldn't have been haynes it would have been one of the inside guys maybe okay. one of the safeties but it wasn't haynes okay but yeah, haynes, i'm just curious haynes and i met up later on the fleet flicker um later in the game yes right um so super bowl touchdown i, I mean was that like when you look back at your, your giants career was that the the apex of it or or just winning the Super Bowl in general, like what's the what's the thing that you take the most pride in? What do I take the most? Well, you know, being a world champion is, yeah. you know, it's 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 everything. It's you know what you play for, and you know afterwards, Parcells' famous quote: "For the rest of your life, they can't tell you you can't do it because you did it." Yeah. And you know that's something great. There are great players in the Hall of Fame that never experienced that. Right. So, I'm extremely grateful for that, and that's all you play for and that's what you dream about your whole life and you <clears throat> got to do it and share that with some incredible teammates 87 comes they have the they have the strike shortened season um 88 did did you guys were, do you think you were as good as you were in 86 like do you think that's opportunity wasted or was it just you were kind of on the team was a little bit on the decline um I don't think we had an infusion of some young talent, I think, came in. I, I, I wouldn't say the team was on decline. I would say, you know, human nature. Think about Thanksgiving Day. Um, you know, you're really hungry before that meal. Right. And then you have a feast, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. A feast. So one day a year, you might get to splurge or gorge a little bit. And, you're, and afterwards, you're, you're just not as hungry. Right. And... I, the only thing I can think of is in the Super Bowl is, well, you're so hungry to get there and do it. And, and I think afterwards, you know, it's human nature to be somewhat full after you feasted. Not that you're not trying, not that you're, you're, you're not, but, you know, I think sometimes you think you're doing the same things that got you there. And, you know, sometimes you think you're, you're, you fool yourself. So it's why it's so extremely difficult, you know, to, to get back. Um, so I, I think that, as much as anything else, you know, the strike threw off our timing and, 
and yeah. you know, a couple guys injured. And yep. listen, you got to be really good to win a Super Bowl. You got to be somewhat lucky too. Yeah. So you know, strike, you know, a little bit full. Some things maybe not going our way. Um, you know, and that was a struggle. That was difficult. So that brought us down pretty quickly that year. Um. What what are you doing these days, Phil? Like, what do you, is there anything you want to plug and, and talk about? And what are you up to? Well, one of the joys of my life right now is I helped start a disabled military veteran investment bank called Academy Securities. Nice. We have a social mission to hire, train, and mentor transitioning military veterans for careers in financial services while serving our institutional clients, Fortune 500 companies, municipalities, pension funds, hedge funds, mutual funds, uh, you know, with their financing needs. So to, to watch some of these heroes blossom. Look, I served in the military, but, you know, it's it's all relative. I didn't, I didn't serve. I served during peacetime. You know, the only war I was in was a cold one against the Soviets. But right. these young heroes uh, sacrificed an incredible amount. They got more toughness and courage on the top half of their pinky finger than I have in my whole body. So to be able to succeed and win in business, but even as important to give opportunities and watch some of these young heroes lives be changed uh, for the better um, is extremely rewarding. So, um, you know, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's a, it's a great love of mine right now. And uh, I'm still competing. We're still winning and uh, helping a lot of these veterans along with our clients. Good. Good for you, man. That's awesome. And, and one more thing I wanted to bring up, I want to thank you because a few years ago, I don't know if you remember maybe five years ago or so, um, I talked to you about Jack Lummis, uh, who had played for the Giants yeah. and passed away in World War II. And you had known about it. You knew the story. You said, yeah, Wellington Mara spoke to me about that. And I sent a letter to John Mara. You followed up with that, I believe, with a, with a phone call to John Mara. Yeah. And then he's in the uh, all of a sudden in the Ring of Honor. So, you know, kudos to you um, for, for helping that process along, man. Well, I, I was a tiny, tiny part. You know, I think it was already on John. Uh, John's radar and, you know, his dad being a World War II uh, Navy veteran. Uh, I know that helped too. So, uh, so deserving. What an incredible story. Yeah. You know, honored to wear the same uniform as Jack Lummis, that's for sure. Yeah. Phil, thanks so much, man. Um, really appreciate your time. And then just from a personal standpoint, I wanted to tell you, my father used to take me to uh, your, your restaurant in Flemington on uh, Monday Night Football yeah. back in like 87 and 88. So I'll uh, never it, forget it, that. It, it you were stop, such a good host, it, man. It didn't stunt your growth. <laughs> that was awesome loved it man used to have the, yeah. uh, the hot dogs at halftime <laughs> all right <laughs> fun stuff yeah, yeah that was fun long time ago yeah absolutely man um thanks so much for your time man really appreciate it oh my pleasure good to talk to you jerry all right phil take care bud yeah bye-bye all right folks you are listening to the giant insider podcast with chris bizignano and jerry foley we are available on a ton of platforms including iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. Um, Chris, is it a question time or, or what? What do you want to do here? Get to the yeah, questions? All right. Yeah, let's do some questions. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. We'll start off with uh, Oscar Nieves. You're gentlemen for the day. What do you do with the extra money? Do you hold it, sign edge rusher, or sign a center? What would you do? No. I would probably, I would probably not spend it. I would probably hold on. Yeah, I, I probably would. Yeah, I mean, it's not like the Giants. You I mean, want your boy Connie? No, how about you? Yeah, I would, I would go get Connie. 
I just I think this, this season's so watered down um, right. because of everything going on. I, I just think it's I, I I went from thinking that a team like the Eagles are going to just waltz into the division win this year because they've had their not only are they talented but they've had their coaching staff for a while. They have an advantage, but I just think this is such an off year that anybody who gets hot quickly could make some noise. I, I don't know, man. I, I would do it. I would go get Clowney. I know, but I'm 100% biased here. Yeah, yeah, well, that's your guy, so. <laughs> Tom and Tom. Yeah, you would be an aggressive GM and go out there and try to get him. Yes, I would. Uh, Tom at TomLap66, what impressed you the most about the Zoom meeting, Chris, that Judge had? Love the podcast. Peppers was a great guest. Number 89, Bavaro. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if he'll come on. He wasn't always talking with the media, but we'll do our best, Tom. Uh, anything impress you with uh, what Judge had to say today, Chris, or no? Um, just the just the, the usual no-excuse mentality, Jerry. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's, listen, we don't care what we dealt with, what we're dealt with here. We're going to make it happen. Right. The players understand that. They, yeah, you kind of get the feeling of Judge is installing that. No excuse mentality. Yeah. In there, in the player's mindset, you know. Yep. Uh, don't even think you're gonna come in here. We're gonna get smoked by the Steelers, uh, 35 nothing, and go around. Well, you know what? Training camp was different. No, that's not the way it works here. Good. You know. Uh, you know. So, um, yeah, I, that's that's what's you know impressed me. Uh, the, the organization, you could just tell, he's just so organized. Yeah. You know, Jerry. Yeah. Uh, it's and it's gonna be. I want things like this, this, and this. That's what it seems like to me. Well, Judge, yeah, I'm going to want it my way. I want it this, this, you know. Um, not in a bad way, just like a very organized way, you know. Yeah. And um, no excuses. Yeah. Uh, hey, you come to play football. That's what he wants. Yeah. And if, you, and if you're not coming here to play football, um, then go ahead and, you know, go home and watch Seinfeld episodes <laughs> or something like that because uh, he's not going to stand for it, Jerry. You know? Nice. That's good. It's refreshing, I think. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, Big Blue VCR, one of the best followers on Twitter. With all this time in the offseason and going back through old highlights, it was glaring how much Parcells used his special teams for tricks to flip momentum. With Judge as a former special teams coach and coming from that coaching line via Bill Belichick, should we expect to see that in 2020? You know, Big Blue VCR is a guy. He doesn't just add great Twitter content. He always asks pretty good questions. That's a good one. I mean, do you get the sense of that at all from him? Like, could you see that, like, trick special teams plays or a fake punt here and there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, no doubt. Yeah. Belichick does it, you know, yeah. no doubt. Yeah. No doubt about it. Uh, don't forget where Belichick came from. Paul yeah. sells, right? Like, yep. right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I could definitely, I mean, definitely see that at a judge. No question. One of the things with the pepper Johnson interview, I don't know. If... Jerry, just yeah. quickly on that before yes. the pepper thing. Yeah. I think that's something McGay, he wanted to do the last few years. That Sherma kind of shot down. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the impression I got being around McGahee. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think that's something he might have, you know, throwing a week game plan. And, hey, what about this situation? And Sherman, you know, no, I will punt. <laughs> you know? Such a gambler. I'm 29th ranked defense. I'll stop him. Don't worry about it. You know? Such a gambler. Uh, <laughs> awesome. No, uh, I'm sorry about that. But no, I do expect to see some of that. Yeah, let's go. No, uh, yeah, that, Jerry. Yeah, that, we'll... That's great. Um, yeah, with the with the Pepper interview, you you know you're like yeah, Pe Belichick came from Parcells. It just fascinates me that Parcells used to just berate Belichick on the sideline, like that someone actually did that to Bill Belichick because he's such a 
you know, he's viewed as the greatest coach of all time. And, and it just, it cracks me up when you see old highlights of Parcells yelling at Belichick. And uh, I don't know, just, it cracked me up. He, he yelled at everybody, man. I know. But I know what you're up. saying when you look at Belichick now and you think about him back then getting reamed at, right? <laughs> right, right. Like Parcells asking what defense he has and Belichick looking at him like, we've got it covered, Bill. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's just, that. that's funny. No, it's great stuff, man. Yeah. Uh, at Big Blue VCR, he's becoming a well-known guy, man. Oh, dude, everybody loves him. Oh, he's my making God. a fan. Players know him. Everybody loves him. Yeah. And by the way, our Pepper Johnson interview podcast was the most downloaded since Dio Del Beckham Jr. trade. Really? <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. Yeah, crazy. I'm Great glad stuff. everybody enjoyed it, man. Yeah. Yep. Good stuff. Uh, Giants Carb Crush. Hi, Jerry and Chris. With the expanded roster on the pra- and on the practice squad, should the Giants seriously consider carrying an extra kicker, punter, and possibly a long snapper in the event of a in the event of a possible positive COVID test a day or two before the game? Keep up the great work. Yeah, I expect that yeah. fully with good the question. sixteen practice squad, no doubt. Yeah, it's a good question too. Yeah. Yep, I expect you have a little more leeway to do stuff like that now, right? Yeah. So I expect that. Guys, bringing it this week with the questions. Uh, Javier Burgos. No, oh, it's Javier. He always, always, he always has a good in. one. Yep, we we already know Joe Judge. I'm sorry, we already know Joe Judge already has a free pass this season, with or without the COVID nineteen pandemic. Oh, this is a good one. How about Dave Gettleman? Hashtag buffoon crew. Mm-hmm. Javier, oh, that's a good one. Somebody actually asked Judge about that today. Do you think it's like a free pass type of year? And he wasn't happy with that question. He was like, uh, No. <laughs> Do you think Gettleman gets one? No, I don't think Gettleman gets one. No. Um. Because if if it's his roster, Jerry, yeah, on the field. Now I'm not talking about eight guys getting COVID, and then eight practice squad guys are playing one week or two weeks. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm talking, and you got to remember something else. Just quickly, Jerry. I don't want to bounce around, but if a guy gets COVID, right? Yeah, bounce around all you want, dude. Go ahead. And, no, if, say a, a guy gets COVID on the Giants and he's out two weeks, and he has no more symptoms. That that doesn't mean his body still feels right. If a guy gets COVID. He might be out for eight games, dude. Oh yeah, sure. So many guys that okay, you don't okay, you're negative now, but you know what? They feel sluggish. Right. Not, they're not as strong. Right. So, you know, uh, the only way Gettleman, I mean, you know, if it's his roster on the field, yeah, you know, it's going to be his his ball of wax, you know. But Jerry, uh, they get into this again. Daniel Jones progresses, right? Yep. And he looks dynamite and looks really good. I'm sorry, folks. And, you know, Gettleman, uh, he's not going anywhere, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's going to have to be a collapse of epic proportion with the talent that he drafted that went backwards big time. Yeah, you know, you're right. Of course he put together those 2000, especially the 2017, with some really good free agent acquisitions like Plax, O'Hara, McKenzie, made draft picks, some guy, you know, OCU Manura from Troy State. Like, who the hell's he? Um but he's known for the Eli Manning trade, right? And it's going to be the same with Gettleman, right? Like, you are judged by your Daniel Jones at number six overall pick. And how's that going to work out? So it's a astute point by you. Because he's going to be judged the same way, of course, he was. How's the quarterback doing? Did he bring you a championship? That's it. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, his... No, don't forget, he, you know, he, he, he took the... Not a chance, but he drafted Barkley, you know. And, yeah. And uh, so... He's got a lot of young talent in here. Whether or not that progresses, we'll see. But listen, the bottom line is Gettleman is like handcuffed to Daniel Jones. <laughs> yeah, right, right. He is. Yeah. So. 
uh, what was it, three years ago, um, the Jets drafted Jamal Adams and could have had Patrick Mahomes. So I just wanted to throw that out there to see how that was working out for him. All right. Wow. Sorry. But, hey, got to call him like you see him. Robinson's not going to be happy with you. (laughs) You little jet shot. A little one. Small one. So, easy peasy at easy A-E-S-Q. As a Syracuse grad who started really following the Giants in 86, Joe Morris is one of my all-time favorites, which other Giants have been so exceptional for relatively short periods of time, regardless of why they eventually fell off. Yeah, dude, that's a good question. The first one that comes to mind for me is is like Victor Cruz, Hakeem Nix, guys that fell off because of injuries. Um, you know, defensive side of the ball. I always liked, I was like Greg Jackson, right? It didn't seem like he lasted that long. Seahorn. Uh, there's, a, there's a ton of guys that, that fall into the other that category. category. Uh, the number one pick. Um, Kenny Phillips. Phillips. Yeah, that's another yeah, one. Kenny Phillips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Aaron, he, Aaron Ross had some good years, and all of a sudden, boom, he was like... <laughs> yeah, right, right, you know? yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, especially football, because it's such a physical sport, there's a lot of guys like that, uh, yep. where they just, they, they, they're good for a couple years, and then you never hear from them again, so. Uh, Matthew Mazzucchetti, relative of yours, buddy. Do you think the Giants will ever agree to be on Hard Knocks? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I mean, Mara's always been against it. I can't. Be, I can't see Joe Judge being like, "Oh yeah, sure, I'm cool with this." Yeah, I can't see Joe Judge unless eight years from now, Mara hires John Gruden. No, I don't see it happening. Yeah, and uh, he it's said, not. It's just not the Giants' way. Right it's just now. not. It really isn't. Uh, thanks for the kind words. He said, "Love the pod. Stay safe." Uh, Lucas Watson. Did the Giants sign any other veteran tackle left on the market for training camp competition? Um, and and are there any decent left? Are there any decent tackles even left? I don't know the answer to that question. The second part, uh, I think the Giants are going to go with what they have within. Um, look, <laughs> Nate Solder was probably going to be the right tackle, or the, you know, if he wasn't going to be the left tackle, he was going to be the right tackle this year because they loved Andrew Thomas. But going from Nate Solder to Nick Gates or Cam Fleming, I don't think is that much of a drop off, to be honest with you at least at right tackle. I'm not saying left tackle, but at right tackle. I don't think they'll go outside the organization and pick up another one. That's just me. Yeah, I agree. I don't think they will either. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know if there isn't even, even talent out there. Yeah. You know, there isn't really any talent. I'm talking about a guy who could step in and play on a Sunday afternoon. You yeah, know, right, I, right. I mean, I'm maybe I'm missing somebody, but I don't really see any talent to bring in here. I think they're going to go what they have, Jerry. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Gaza at Gazman Superstar. Would you would you have put any other giant on the top 100 NFL list? And Saquon at 31. Do you agree or disagree? These lists are tough. I mean, Saquon was hurt last year. I don't know. Would I put anyone else on it right now? No. Next year, probably Xavier McKinney will be on it. But uh, a top 100 wow. right now? That? Yeah. Top no. 100? No, I don't see anybody besides Saquon. Yeah, me neither. You, you know who, we, Jerry? Now, I know people are going to be like, oh, come on, Chris. Um, but if he stayed healthy last year, I think Evan Ingram might have been on it, my man. Yeah, it's another one. The numbers he was putting up until he got hurt. Yeah. So, okay, so I'm going to say, you know, I know people are going to be like, yeah, but he's never healthy. Okay, I get yeah. it. Yeah. Um, 16 games, Evan Ingram, he's the top. He, he makes the top 100. Yeah, yes. I agree. Yeah, probably. Because yeah, he's just so talented. 
Yes. Kind of hesitated. I don't think you really agree with me on that one. No, no, no. I agree. I definitely agree. I do. He's got to be healthy, though. That's it. No, that's what I'm saying. He plays. Yeah. Don't forget, Jerry, the pace he was on last year. Yeah. When he got hurt, right? Yeah. He was on pace for like what, 80 catches? The whole deal. I mean, has there, has there ever looked? Has there ever been a, a, a Giants receiver slash tight end aside from Odell, who's ever looked better in practice or in, you know, running routes? Right. I mean, there's a video somebody put out. Some company oh, put out oh, of. Daniel so- Jones throwing to Saquon, to Sterling, and to Evan Ingram. You just look at Evan Ingram like, oh, my God, please stay healthy because you're going to be so good. Dude, he's just – he's so fluid, dude. Right. Just to watch him – you know, obviously I've seen him a thousand times up close in front of me, and he's just such an athlete, dude. Yeah. He's so fluid. Man, if this, if this kid could just, you know, put it together, right? Stay healthy. Yeah. Uh, because I'm telling you, Jerry, I see him in practice, and he blows by people at times, man. Right. You know, and and if anybody's doubting that, just think about, about that Tampa Bay game, Tampa Bay game last year, right? Where he caught that little seven route there, and he went and he was gone. Yeah, gone. Yeah, right. Um. So hey, listen, man, he's a talented kid, man, but obviously, he's useless to the Giants if he's on the sideline. So. That's right. Dan, the movie, as a follow up to the great Pepper Johnson interview, can you give us the inside scoop on that shakeup that Dan Reeves made when he came in? Both Pepper and Bardot's had good years after they were let go. Here's a 93 article. Yeah, we could do that with another guest. Like, I would love to ask Banks about it, if you can get Banks on. If we have Bardot's, that's a question mm. we could we could ask. Because we, yeah. we haven't really delved into that too much, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd rather have somebody on there that was right there. I mean, o- Otis Anderson was, was honest, forthcoming about it when he said, I don't know if it's just something with the Cowboys, but yeah, like he he really was unhappy with getting cut. Oh, absolutely. He yeah. felt slighted. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think he made any bones about it, right? Yeah. With us. Yep. So. Uh, Champagne Coopy. Hot take. Danny Dimes is top five in touchdown passes this year. And Slayton is top ten in touchdown receptions in the league. Opinions might be a buffoon for this. LMAO. What do you think, Chris? Well, you think Danny Dimes can, Daniel Jones can finish top five in touchdown passes and Slayton top ten in receptions? I'm not going to go with Slayton. Um, uh, and then I'm not going to go with Slayton. But Jones, top watch, Jerry, top five? Top five touchdown passes. Nah, I'm not going to go with that either. Nah, I mean. I, I, I'll give you top ten. I'm not going to go top five. Yeah, Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, uh, these ridiculous offenses. Uh, Drew, Drew Brees. Drew Brees. <laughs> you know, come on. Yeah, it's going to be tough, man. I don't think you're a buffoon. Jerry, did you hear me? Drew yeah, Brees. I know. I know. I don't. Your, your boy, Drew Brees, Mr. Dome. <laughs> yes. Uh, two more. Noreen Schmidt. Hey, guys, if Snacks decides to play, would we give him a look for a one-year deal? No. No, we got Big Dex, though. We got Lenny Williams. We, I hate to say it because I, I always love Snacks as a player, but no. No reason for Snacks. Now, you know what? I'm going to go two more after this now because somebody said it's their first tweet ever. Danny B at 68 Danny B. Big fan of TGI. Thanks, man. My first tweet ever. Intrigued by options in the secondary. I would give Bradbury, Peppers, Love, and McKinney the most playing time. Rotate in Beal, Ballantyne. He's shortening the names. That's why I'm struggling. Holmes. And move all players besides Bradbury around based on down and distance. How would you go about deploying our chess pieces? Well... I think you have Beal. You have Beal on the outside, right? Yeah, I uh, love 
And then you got Holmes is going to be in the mix. Uh, yeah. Listen. Uh, what does he want? Bradbury, I, I sold her on, on the other team's top receiver. Is that Sounds what you're that way. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what Patrick Graham's philosophy is when they start practicing, guys. I, yeah. I, can't, I can't really give an educated answer until I start seeing what Graham does in the field. I just, I know this, is, this should be Chris's line, but I just want Julian Love out there as much as humanly possible, whether it's mm-hmm. as a, a third safety, as a slot corner, as an outside corner. I want Julian Love out there. Kid's a playmaker. So. There you go, Chris. Well, it's got, but Jerry, you know, look, these guys are going to be in different roles every week. You hear yeah. me? Yeah. That's versatility. That's what Judge believes in. Yep. That's the system he came from. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to see that, man. You know, they, look, Judge has made it known. He's made it plainly known. Game plans will be different each week, according to who we play. Right. Yep. That's the way it should be. I like that. You should be excited about it. We should all be excited about that. That's the way it should be. Yeah. Where one guy is playing a position one week, they're playing a different team the following week, he's in a whole different role. That's why he loves versatility. Look for that. Look for that this year. You know, obviously we'll get more into it, Jerry, when we start seeing these guys in practice, you know? Yeah. But look for that. And I love it, dude. Love it. Yeah. You should be game planning for the other team's strengths and weaknesses and all that. Yep. Right? Absolutely. Not just have your system like James Betcher was guilty of this. He had his system, and that was it. Square peg, round hole. Doesn't matter. Going in. Do it. Yeah, right. I I agree. And I always felt that Dan Reeves did that as well. I always thought Dan Reeves said, this is my system. You will fit into it. And and if you think I'm talking out of my, you know, if if you think I'm spitting and foaming and talking out of my blowhole. Prominent Giants said that about Betcher last year. This guy didn't adjust. Yeah. He just played his he didn't play this guy where he played plays his best. Right? Yeah. Isn't so, it amazing two years ago he was like a, a, a potential head coaching candidate and now you just without question. He was a oh rising star god, in the league. Oh my god. But, no. but Jerry look, he's not the only guy. No, I know. He'll be back at he, he he's pretty small he, he he's a He's a smart guy, Jerry. He's a smart football guy. Um, yeah. Trust me. You know, he's a good dude. I think he'll, he'll take the year off. He'll come back as a something, right? Mm-hmm. Not as a coordinator, I'm sure. Right. All right? And let him get back in. Let him learn. Let him make his adjustments in the NFL world. And we'll see what happens this second go around. You know? Yep. Pest the analyst. With there being no preseason, how sloppy do you think play will be around the league? And how long will it take for teams to get crisp? Hashtag buffoon crew. I'll let you take that. Well, Jerry, it took about three weeks for teams to get crisp with the bull crap preseason snaps they were playing the last three, four, five years. So that's a question for I you. Just will, will, this. It, will it? But yeah. will it even affect at all? If, if, I think it's going to be even worse. Do you? Okay. I only ask because it's not like they were playing before much. I mean, I, I you know. I think just, it, I, I don't think it's going to be dramatically worse, Jerry. I think it's going to be slightly worse, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be, you know, I really do. I didn't yeah. like the crap I saw in the NFL the first three weeks, two weeks, the last three, four, five years with these guys. Oh, we're not playing this guy. We're not going to play this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now they're mandatory. Now they can't play him. I think it's going to, you know, I think it's going to hurt the first two, three weeks. I think it's going to be even sloppier than it's been. Yep. Right? Uh, yep. All right, two more for real personal questions. Jerry Gordon, 
What was the first New York Giants season you remember where you became a real fan? Mine is 97 with Armstead, Strahan, and Seahorn. I've been hooked ever since. Yeah, mine I remember vividly, 1983, 3-12-1. That was the first year as an 8-year-old turning 9 that I sat in front of my TV with my dad and sister and watched every single game. They were horrific. The defense was great. Scott Bruner was terrible. Some guy named Bill Parcells was the first-year coach. But I remember that year being the one where I was hooked every week. So... Mm. How about you, Chris? If you remember a specific season, I mean, um, you, you, you used to go, you had season tickets, so I yeah yeah I was there in the seventies, man. Oh um, my god, God bless you. The, the first, the first year I was hooked, probably my dad, probably around seventy six, Jerry seventy four, seventy five, <sighs> right around there. Like that's a you. So Let's see, I, I was born. Let me think. I was born I had, in the I had one bad year of them before they got right. good. You, you right. had several. I'll tell you exactly what happened. I can remember this, Jerry. <laughs> yeah. I was born in 66. So I say around 74, 70, whatever it was, whatever yeah. Starback was the man in Dallas, which was the yeah. mid 70s, right? Mm -hmm. The Giants were actually, we were in Giants Stadium. And I was a fan, but this is what really got me totally hooked. Um, where I was like a, you know, a buffoon every week, you know? Right. Um, Giants were actually beating the Cowboys late in the game, which was like unheard of back then, right? Mm hmm. And the Cowboys get the ball on their 20, like with two plus left, and the Giants are up by four or three, whatever it was. I don't know. I was a little kid. Yeah. And my father looked at me and he says, We will lose this game. And I said, They got to go 80. No, watch out. You had to be four. Because I remember saying, They got to go 80 yards and, and 150, whatever it was, right? Yeah. My father goes, He looks at me. He goes, Trust me, Starback will march right down the field that is a seasoned <laughs> giants fan man go ahead and sorry. yeah exactly and i'm sitting there like no way dad you know being a little kid you think everything's on a level you know yeah, yeah. i'm like no way and needless to say <laughs> stall back went right down the field in about six plays and beat the giants um oh, awesome. and we had good defenses back then so but they went right funny. down the field and beat the giants and you know sometimes that those excruciating losses brings you closer to a team, right? Yeah. Than the incredible wins. Yeah, right. I don't know if that makes sense to you, Jerry. Yeah. But being a Red Sox fan, trust me on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Trust me. When yeah. 75, when we lost to the Reds in the World Series, when Morgan hit that bloop damn single in the ninth inning and we lose in game seven, right? Mm-hmm. And your buffoon boys with their fluke 78 playoff win over us with, you know, Pinello and all that crap. Bucky right? Yeah, yeah. Those losses always seem to bring me closer to my team. Yeah. <laughs> than right. when you win the whole damn thing, you right. know? Yeah. And uh, you understand what I'm saying, Jerry? You yeah, because I rank the Rangers higher than the Yankees. I mean, they, I. Right? Like, like, I just feel. Well, the Yankees for you never really had those excruciating losses. Well, so I mean, but like, yeah, that's like the. Ra I would, you figure I'd like the Yankees more, but watching. Lundquist comes so close and be excellent for so long, but not get there. Yeah, I'm a bigger Ranger fan. It just is what it is. Probably because of those painful losses back when you were a kid, Jerry, you right. know? Yep. And, and for people listening this week, um, you know, throw us a tweet about that. I'm curious to see what, you know, what people, how people feel about that. But that's, I, I think that's when I got totally hooked. That loss with Starback marching down the field and, I was like, I'm hooked. You know what I mean, Jerry? Totally yeah, right. hooked. Yeah. You know? And like I said, we used to go to season tickets in the 70s, and it was a lot of tough. And the, 
Versace game, you know, with the Eagles, your 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 team there, the Eagles, and all that crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, nice nice question by Jerry Gordon, man. Good job. That was a good question. Good. Qu- Who was that, Jerry? Jerry Gordon with a G. Oh, another Jerry. With a G. Hey, intelligent guy. See. Yeah. See. Uh, one more. Roland at Kevin Roland nineteen. <clears throat> What are your thoughts? <clears throat> excuse me. What are your guys' thoughts on buying team jerseys after seeing what happened with Adams and the Jets and what I paid out of pocket for an OBJ jersey? Is it safe to say wait until the players established for X amount of years? P.S. Love the podcast. I know it's going to be a good commute to work when a new episode is out. Thanks, man. I'm not a jersey guy anymore. I used to be, and and for the exact reason you said, guys leaving, um, and then all of a sudden it's just it's just a T-shirt, right? And when do you, you know, how can you, how can you wear, I, I can't wear a Giants jersey of a guy who is not on the Giants anymore. Maybe later on when they retire. But um, yeah, I, I, if I get a jersey, it's a retired guy. Like I would wear Sims every week or you could wear Eli. Um, but I'm just not a jersey guy anymore. I don't feel like buying it for four years, especially with hockey. Like that's another one. Those jerseys are like 200 bucks. Unless it's, yeah. unless it's a guy that you know is going to be there. I'm not trying to say stay away from jerseys, but no, it's not for me anymore. Plus, I don't know. At what point can you, you can wear them to games, but you're going to wear them around. I don't know. I'm 45. I don't know if I'm a jersey guy anymore. So. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know how you feel about that, Chris. Yeah. No, listen, football wise, you got to wait till the guy gets a second contract if you're going to buy. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, right. That's right. When he gets that second contract, you're good. Up until the first four years. uh, I don't know. (laughs) That's right. Good point. You know? There was really one guy, right, Jerry? I mean, I, I'm sure there's more, you know, but there was one guy in Giants history that you knew. <laughs> yeah. His rookie year that you could go out and get that 56 jersey, right? Right. Launch. Right. You're like, oh, this guy ain't going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. They would, yeah, they would, uh, oh, my God, they would destroy George Young for moving him. Although, I remember there was a time when they were talking about trading him for Marcus Allen. Somebody put a, I don't know if it was in the Star Ledger, but I remember as a kid my dad saying it. Because there were there were issues going on with his contract or something. Oh, it was before '86. A lot of things with Lawrence. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah yes, that too. Yeah. So anyway, Lawrence could be a little difficult, you know, uh, around the building and off the field, as we all know. So uh, <laughs> yeah, listen, uh, we'll never forget that USFL incident too, where he was gone and then he came that's back. Right. That's right. That's right. You know, Lawrence. Uh, you know, Lawrence was Lawrence. Let's put it that way. You know. Yeah. Good stuff, yeah. buddy. Uh, anything else? No, that's it. All right, guys. To order a subscription to The Giant Insider, go to the new website, baby, www.thegiantinsider.com. You'll notice Chris and I threw a couple of things out there. That will continue more and more uh, as time goes on. Please add your emails to the website. That's helpful for us. We can just send you <clears throat> emails and updates and offers uh, as as uh, as we move forward. But please go to the website, www.thegiantinsider.com, and add your email. If you want a digital subscription to the newspaper, go to magster.com, M-A-G-Z-T-E-R, and download the Giant Insider app. Anything else, pal? No. Everybody be good, man. And See you uh, next week. We'll try to get another Giant on next week or the week after. We'll, we'll keep working on this. I know you guys enjoy it. Hope you enjoyed this one. And remember, guys, Sundays are Giant days. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye, everybody.